Hello everyone and another happy, lovely Tuesday. This episode is just a little snippet from my second part with Daisy on her podcast, Keto Woman. Um, really enjoyed doing this. I think the way she's cut it is quite nice because the first part um, was more my kind of backstory, I guess, and a bit about the business, whereas this now has moved over to um, certainly a lot more politics and my view about social change and how we can bring about change. So um, I hope you enjoy it. I'll um, I'll not waffle on too much at the beginning of this because I'm so tired from homeschooling and the business and everything that I need to go to bed. However, I hope you enjoy it. And if you want to hear the whole thing, please go and check out Daisy's amazing podcast. I love it. Keto Woman. Um, she's been doing this now for a long time. She's very knowledgeable. She knows everyone. She's got all the best guests on there. And she's like personal friends of the keto dudes who, let's be honest, are the coolest people in the whole of the keto community. Okay, everyone, take care, have a lovely week, and there'll be a new episode on Friday. Bye now. The influence it's massive. on the whole of the country is, is potentially massive. I bet you, yeah, you're, you're itching to get your teeth into that. <laughs> well, that is true. And actually, uh, you know, I love somebody like Asima Hotra because he is directly influencing policy from the top. You know, he has mm, been important. talking to Matt Hancock and, and other people who have influenced and he is directly trying to influence them. And I think that's really important. But actually, politics, I, good politics is actually is leading the ground swell up. I honestly believe that because, okay, there's been a trend, I'd say, in the last um, 10 years, probably, maybe even longer, whereby there's almost this idea that we are consumers more than we are citizens. And, you know, you, you hear it on the doorstep sometime, like, what are you going to do for me? Or, you know, it's almost like, well, I'll vote for the best option for my own interest only. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really bad way of seeing it. And quite often I'll say to people, look, I am a normal person like you are. I'm no different. I, I, I've got weaknesses. I've got failings. I've got some strengths. And I just literally throw myself into this because I care about it. What do you care about? What are you doing to fight about it? Mm. That's all it comes down to. Mm. That's literally what it is. And if we all did that, instead of thinking about politicians being in Westminster or in Washington or in Paris or wherever it might be, and that they do stuff to us and we are the victims and we just follow the ebbs and flows of their policy and their legislation decisions, then we're always going to be uh, children. But actually, no, this is our world. This is our planet. We are citizens and we have a responsibility. We must stand up and say, that's wrong and this is right. It doesn't matter what career path or who you are, you've got a bloody voice. Use it. That's what I feel. I get so frustrated when people are like, they're all the same, these politicians. In fact, I've got a really good anecdote about that. Do you know somebody called Alf Dubs? Have you heard of him? No. Alf Dubs is a member of the House of Lords mm -hmm. and he was in the kinder transplant. So he was bought from Czechoslovakia as a child. He's a Jewish I think I'm pretty sure he's Jewish, uh, from a Jewish family. He was rescued from the Holocaust. He was brought across to Great Britain through, uh, is it Nicholas Winter, the man who uh, brought all these children across in the Second World War. Mm -hmm. He was then raised in this country. He became a Labour MP in London and then eventually became a member of the House of Lords. He then took on the government to bring refugee children from the jungle, as is described in Calais, this uh, refugee camp, yeah. to bring those children across to the UK. He got them to make a commitment. They then went back on the commitment. So I went to the High Court hearing in London with Alf Dubs, uh, Lord Dubs, and others. And this man is probably the most kind of humble, down-to-earth person you could ever meet. I mean, just absolutely inspirational man. And I heard a story in a book that I read once where he was on the doorstep and someone said to him, all you politicians are all the same. And this, this person was like, that's Alf Dubs who fights for children refugees, who survived the Nazis, who's fought his mm -hmm. whole life for children who are refugees. Mm -hmm. And you say he's the same as everyone else? Because in some ways, it's easier to say politicians are all this big block and we hate them. Religion's this big block, we hate it, or whatever it might be. 
But actually, that's where we kind of do a disservice to ourselves. And we've got to see each other as individuals and try to work out how we can work together for the better. I think if we did that, the world would be a way better place, which is, I know, a little bit too airy-fairy and dreamlike. But I just think that, you know, if we just work together and try to to try and achieve something good, and I think low-carbon keto is a great example of that, you know, if you just tried to make the change in your life and tell somebody else about it, that would be the change to change the world. It really would. Well, I think we actually underestimate our own influence. I mean, if you think about it, you think what, you know, what can I do on my own? And it's, it's all the food production companies fault and it's the politicians fault and it's this, that and the other. Especially when it comes to those foods, all those processed and refined carbohydrates that are bad for us. And they are overly pushed on us by marketing, you know, often very underhand marketing. But actually, if you think about it, it's still a case of supply and demand. If we stop demanding it, they would change their supply. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> if we no longer wanted processed and refined carbohydrates, if we just stopped buying it and said, we don't want that, we want this instead, they'd start making it. Yep. So we do actually have the power. And it's, it's, it's very difficult when you're thinking it's just me. What difference am I going to make? And that's where the whole community effort comes in, isn't it? And joining up with like-minded people. Yep. Because when you start doing things en masse, you can actually start seeing some change. Well, I say there's two levels to that. And the free market model of demand and supply is really important. So, you know, you can't really be somebody who complains about uh, what happened to Princess Diana if you are somebody buying the magazines and the papers before she died That's with right. the, yeah. the paparazzi taking those pictures. So you're actually mm-hmm. funding that. You know, you do in some ways have a responsibility there. But when it comes to this, we have a demand element we are in control of where we could try to stop buying those things or eating them. But there's also manipulation. And that's the other end. What is it you can do when you know you're being manipulated by the, by the food industry and there are parts where we are victim to it? What are you actively doing to try to change the manipulation? Maybe you're less powerful over the demand element because you're addicted to the food or whatever it might be. But do you contact, for instance, you know, your local MP and talk to politicians about what they can do? Do you organize in some way a, a petition or something? Or do you, for instance, support the public health collaboration? Are you part of their program? Do you listen to their talks? Do you give them money? You know, there are ways you can try to help other people who want to end the manipulation from the top end. And you've got a lot of power in that regard too. So not just as a consumer, you're actually an active citizen in society. And when I used to teach politics to the students, I used to say to them, now you are all politicians in that way because the, the democracy that we have belongs to you as much as the prime minister. We all are part of the system. So you've got an equal responsibility as the prime minister does to do your bit, whether that's using the political system, whether that is organising a protest, standing for office, whatever it is, the system is there for change. And it's the most powerful thing on earth for change because in some countries you don't get that option at all. So use the system you have. Don't be a victim of it. Think what can you do to stop things like the food industry manipulating citizens because that is your responsibility. And they used to be like, well, wow, I never thought of myself like that. I thought politics is something that's done to me. No, politics is something you're part of. It's just you're choosing to be part of it more or less. And I think you can choose to buy less food, but actually at the same time, or less of the bad food, but actually the manipulation part, we can actively use the system to fight that. Mm-hmm. And I think we should. And the more of us do it, the stronger it is. Individually, I can achieve nothing. It's only with people behind me and the same with all of us that so we can do any change in the world. That's right. And like you say, get involved with organizations like the the PHC. You know, look at what Nina Teicholz is doing in the US. You know, there yeah. there are other people, like you say, that you can get behind and help with. 
and and your voice does count. Oh, most certainly does. Most certainly does count. Uh, well, it only counts in in unison together. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Your voice is pretty quiet, but put a million people together, it's unbelievably loud. That's how it works, isn't it? It's numbers. And yeah, you know. This sort of individualism of going, oh, yeah, but what can I do? Well, no, it's not about what you can do. It's what we can do. It's a mindset change, isn't it? And I think collectivizing is really important. You can get angry or you can get organized. Get organized, you make change. Get angry, you just break a TV and you throw your drink at it or whatever. You know, but get organized. That's what I'd say to people. Do it. Pull together and connect, you know, connect with you, connect with other people doing podcasts, connect with people like Asima Hotra, support them when they go through their hard times. I mean... How many times are our kind of like, you know, low carb revolutionaries out there fighting and they're getting slated on Twitter or whatever? Mm. You know, just reach out and send them a nice message saying, I think you're doing a good job. Carry on. You know, whatever it is, you can do a lot to help someone. Little actions all together multiplied have a massive impact. Anyway, we're getting a little bit uh, American pie now, aren't we? So <laughs> I know that's the thing. You can go, you can go off on all sorts of tangents and talk about. We're British. Let's make it a bit more cynical. Like Come that. on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear. We are running over time, but I do really want to hear about your business and how I, this happens with a lot of my guests. That low carb keto, whichever approach you take ends up becoming their passion and taking over their life and also their business. So tell us a bit about yours. Yeah. So it's going to sound really weird, but actually considering what we just talked about, I think it does relate nicely. So the reason I started a business up is because I would like to be a politician one day, an MP. And I thought, well, I know what it's like to teach in different types of schools. So I've talked in special needs schools, secondary, primary. I know what the public sector is like in many ways because my wife is a doctor in the NHS and, you know, my friends and family are NHS workers or teachers or, you know, they tend to work in the public sector. And I really thought I'd want to know what business life is like because this sounds a bit of a weird reason really, but I thought, you know, I I love, for instance, um, I really love low carb and I love keto and I love that sort of lifestyle. And I really want to know what business is like. So these two things kind of could tie together. Maybe there might be a business there. So that's kind of how it all started. And I didn't know if this business was going to take off or if it was going to be something that was going to be just a bit of a side project and not work out, whatever. But I thought, I want to know what it's like to fill in a tax return. That sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? I want to know what it's like to <laughs> try to make the books balance because that's what a lot of life is like for a lot of people. And I wanted to know what that was like myself. And I love to experience it firsthand. So that's why I set it up in the first place. And then a sort of long story short, really, I spent two years really kind of baking until about two or three in the morning. So I make cakes and brownies and things like that. I always kind of thought, you know, I want these things to be something that you could eat without even knowing it's low carb or low sugar. So I want to have an option for people so they can feel like they can just have this and not feel like they're missing out in some way. Because for me, I don't really have a massively sweet tooth, although I think my product's really nice. But I thought for other people, this is really major. And if someone's like type 2 diabetic and they get told they can't have sugar ever again, in their mind, that's synonymous with sweetness. So I think, well, if they could have the option, it doesn't you know, affect them with their cravings or whatever, uh, and that makes them happy, then they could go for this. And that's what I did, really. So I was baking till early hours of the morning. And then I'd be kind of, um, I'd do the night feeds and stuff with my son uh, with the express breast milk. And then in the morning, I'd go off and teach during the day. And then I'd sort of, on the way home, uh, I'd, I'd sometimes keep orders in the fridge at school and then go and take them to the post office and post them off to our kind of very small customer base. And then, yeah, I'd kind of do that week in, week out, and then sort of politics tutoring in the evenings. So I'd kind of have three jobs, really. And I don't know why, I just never gave up, even though it wasn't paying me anything and it was hard work. I just kind of, I could see there's value in what I was doing and people liked it. So I thought, well, that's good enough for me and I enjoyed doing it, so I'll do it. 
Now, this time last year, I was pretty fed up with politics because we had quite an awful election result for Labour. Mm. It was also pretty awful, way more than that, the existential kind of crisis of Brexit and how I felt about all of that. And I thought, oh, this is too much like hard work. And the business really suffered because I just, you know, you can't stand for Parliament. It's the fourth thing you do on top of all that and nothing else suffer. So it was really, really hard this time last year. And I started applying for jobs and having interviews. And I'm really lucky that I never got any of them because I was going to go to like work in a school full time instead of doing supply work. And I never got any of those interviews. And I was really gutted at the time. But I'm really glad I didn't now because it gave me the time to keep the business growing as it did steadily. So I hope that you found that interesting. If you want to listen to the whole episode, then please go and download Keto Woman on any podcast app. And you can then hear what Daisy and I had to say about a few other things. Right. Have a lovely week and I'll speak to you on Friday.